0: We didn't even know if this was gonna be a production company. It was just kind of like, let's let's make a movie, and then we'll figure out what we're gonna call it, what we're gonna put it under.
1: Who always has her eyes on snacks and can't wait for the lunch break to start? Catherine.
2: Catherine. <laughs> Catherine.
3: I think that all good writing, whether it's script writing or songwriting, I think it always comes from emotion. So if I'm really happy or if I'm really sad, I go to my piano and I, I try to like hold on to that feeling even if I just get like two lines out of it because then I can revisit that later.
2: Watching Bella grow up and, and then having that same trust kind of flow into her, it's just, it, you know, we we are a little family. And, um, right. And, you know, it's, it's easy to rely on those gals.
0: <laughs> My first draft always goes to Catherine. And then what what her husband will always say, is, so it begins. It's just, it's just never ending draft after draft and flushing yeah. things out. And it's just, that's been a process for 20 years now. And I, I, I don't even know how many scripts later. What
3: parts of me can I bring into this? And then what parts of this am I going to need to Um, work a little harder at and I think that with Kara it felt really natural to me because I I am a nerd
2: Uh, you can ask even when we disagree on something we both know that we have our best interests um, at heart for the project. I've
3: worked and spoken with actors in real life that were so wonderful to work with in scenes because they were so giving and so all about the other person that when you talk to them
0: in real life, they're just as intense. I will dress in like the scariest costume and I will stand, if it takes hours, in the corner to scare somebody. Just absolutely he loves
1: scary people (laughs) he loves scary people it's very weird but it's true i could tell that by the choice of your movies yeah (laughs) it's great to see you catherine can you hear us thank you Pard. nice to meet you it's amazing you all can already pronounce my name. <laughs> <laughs> Normally, people like to call me the hairy guy, still. I like okay. you already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the feeling is mutual, so I guess let's get started then. I welcome all the viewers to Ras, which is an online showcom podcast affiliated with Restream, on which we are hosting today's conversation. Today, we have with us the three creative, talented, and fearless women of Almost Normal Productions who create movies that deliver a message of strength to women and something they can relate with. I would like to introduce the first founder of Almost Normal Productions, as well as an experienced writer, director, and a performer. Yes, we have with us Elisabetta Widowitch.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me. Or having us.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Next, I'd like to introduce her partner, who's also a brilliant writer, producer, and an exceptionally talented actress. Yes, we have with us Catherine Michelle. Thank you for Hi, joining. thank you. Last but not the least, we have with us an amazing actress. You might have seen her work in shows like Supergirl, The Fosters, Just Beyond, among others, and movies like Homefront and Wonder. I'm always a fan of her choice of characters, which I believe are inspiring, not just for women, but all genders. Yes, we have with us Isabella Widowicz. Thank you for joining all of you.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having us.
1: And just to start things off, first of all, congratulations on the release of your new movie, The Accursed, which I believe is already available for... Pre order on iTunes, and I do want to share something with our viewers. I was watching the trailer, and it was uh, such a great sight, not only in terms of the movie, and at times it was frightening for my inner child as well, but more than that, you know, the kind of production quality which I saw. And I like to see that how with each and every project you all improve in terms of uh, videography, special effects, etc. And all I can think of is how was this filmmaking experience different from the other projects you worked upon?
2: Well, um, I can start off. Um, it's it's actually really simple. We had more money on this project. The more money you have, the more toys you can get, meaning more uh, equipment, and um, you can do a lot more. So, with our with our other projects, they were self funded. We we they were labors of love. Not that this one wasn't, but they were. Um, they were kind of our playground and um, we we were able to bring on investors this time. So there was a lot more um, that we were able to do with that money. More money allows more freedom. So, yeah, we, we just we were able to do just so much more with the shots. We had a little bit more time, um, even though our time was short. So, sure. Um,
1: Yeah. And the best part, which I like, is that uh, how you all raise fundraiser. And this is really inspiring for all the filmmakers out there, that how most of your projects were self-funded, and then you raised this fundraiser and people supported it. And if you two, the mother and daughter, would like to add something to it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our Indiegogo campaign was amazing. And, you know, the support that we received from uh, people that we've known for years of working in the industry and friends and family and fans and it was just pretty amazing for us to reach our goal and actually surpass it too, i believe and um and then some of it was private funding um past that and um so it was a combination between the two but indiegogo was a great experience for us because it was kind of like a preview of of what's waiting for us now in this process of selling the film and getting out there and talking to our fans and saying hey now you gotta you got to come out and see this great pro- project right. that we did.
3: Yeah. yeah, it's. I think it's been really cool um, being able to now go back to all of those people that contributed to the project in 2017 and say, "Hey, like it's available now for pre-order on iTunes, and it's going to be out November 12th." And um, we've just had an outpour of messages from yeah. from all of our supporters, just saying, "Oh my god, like you did it! Like you you actually <laughs> made yeah. the film."
1: it's amazing to hear that and i do like to share with viewers that it is available for pre-sale on itunes the link would be in the description of this episode and the benefit of ordering it now before november 12th is that you also get access to some limited edition gift which also include a QA with the whole cast i believe yes the uh, big
0: part.
1: cast yeah, yeah that that's amazing i think this is the perfect opportunity to break your piggy banks and just <laughs> pre- proceeding on, I saw some other films as well. I think the, the Glass, which was written and directed by you, Bella. And the kind of acting which I see, first of all, Catherine, I mean, you are an exceptional actress. The way oh. you showcase this different emotions, it was literally felt like a roller coaster ride of emotions that we went on. And the way you were able to show it, especially in that two-minute scene from one emotion to other, I'm curious to know that how can actors uh, show so much empathy and be completely present in the moment and listen in such a way that not only they can act out their character's need, but also influence the viewers emotionally? You know,
2: um, thank you, by the way, Park. Um, One, It boils down to, I guess you could say, trust. Um, one, you trust your director, which, of course, I trust Isabella, who directed this immensely. Um, she was a great writer on this and um, and a great director, and I trusted her immensely. The second thing is you have to really trust yourself. I, I you know, without getting into the whole actor philosophy, I mean, you train and you study and um, you you. Work really hard to be able to evoke these emotions for the different situations whenever it's required. And the more you do this, the more familiar you become with yourself, and more in touch with your emotions. And um, having them basically at your disposal. So when you get on set and you get this great material, such as like what Bella wrote, and then you are able to kind of leave that training at the door and really. Uh, tap into those emotions and and really open yourself up to the moment instead of thinking about you know trying to get that emotion. You're able to just set that aside because you've trained you you have it at your disposal, and then you're able to really enjoy these beautiful characters, such as what um, Bella wrote, and you can really feel it and live in the moment and just put yourself in that vulnerable place because you trust your director and you trust your training and, and you can just really just feel it and, and believe it. And it's just, just such a beautiful thing. I I mean, that's when the magic happens and that's really just the heart of it. You know, there's so much more involved, obviously when you're, when you're
1: acting, but that's basically it, you know, I can completely understand. And, this one's for you, Isabel. This is so amazing to see that you're not only involved in acting, but you are also a director, writer, baker, and even an, a fantastic singer-songwriter. And I'm curious that to know.
3: Famous. Oh, goodness. <laughs> oh. Yeah,
1: and I'm just curious to know that this, ability to be so diversified in terms of your interests? Is this something that came naturally to you? Or is this something you owe to your mother for being so open towards all your interests?
3: Well, she's right here. Uh. <laughs> 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 for a second. That's okay. No, I'm kidding. Um, well, I mean, I think, of course, I think I owe it to my mom, my dad, I think I just owe it to my family for support. Because I think that, you know, uh, you could be born with lots of dreams. But if you don't have a support system, then they'd they can die out. Um, so, you know, obviously, because of having that support, and then also my mom just being an artist, it was naturally really intriguing, because that's what I saw growing up. Um, but then I think on the other hand, I'm also just and she tells me this all the time, I'm really scatterbrained, and I have 1000s of interests. And as much as it can be a really great thing, um, because I tap into lots of lots of different talents, I um, I also mm-hmm. sometimes start projects and just don't go through with them because you know you can't be amazing at everything and um, sometimes I want to be amazing at everything
1: (laughs) right (laughs) I personally can relate with it still uh, for me I remember my first experience of writing a song was during a student exchange program to Sri Lanka in 2019 we went to a part which was not that technologically developed so it was best for me, you know. I had my favorite meal, seafood, combined with environment, and we went on all these, uh, you know, treks and stuff. And these experiences kind of helped me take out the songwriter inside of me, which, to be honest, was quite discouraged when you have an elder brother. So, still, I would like to know what was your best memory of writing a song, something that means a lot to you, because I find your voice really unique.
3: Thank you. That that means a lot. Um... I I don't I don't often talk about my music. This is (laughs) I'm like what what was my memory of uh, the perfect
1: um, time to talk about it? I guess.
3: (laughs) Well, I um I guess I just um I never I think it's kind of like writing a script. I've I've heard Catherine and and Elisabetta talk about writing a script and how it's just you start and you don't think you can do it and then one day you have a draft and then it's kind of not horrible. And then you keep going and then it gets better. And I think it's the same thing with songwriting. Like I just, I love the piano and I just sat down and I just started playing chords and they sounded really disjointed. And then eventually I liked it and I, I always write words first. So I had like lots of words and I tried to make a semblance of a song. And, you know, I think it's just, um, I think that all good writing, whether it's Script writing or songwriting, I think it always comes from emotion. So if I'm really happy or if I'm really sad, I go to my piano and I, I try to like hold on to that feeling, even if I just get like two lines out of it, because then I can revisit that later. Sure. Um,
1: And I personally believe that's much better to use music as a relaxation. And it's much better to be involved in these creative pursuits than falling to the trap of unhealthy habits. And it it was great to hear that how your mother was not only a parent, but as well a strong mentor for you, especially during the early stages. And If I'm doing the math correctly, which is quite rare, I know that you, the production company, Almost Normal Productions, was started by you, ma'am, in 2010. And around those years only, Isabel was around the ages of seven. And was it seeing your daughter's passion for acting that uh, inspired you to start this production company, or was it something you would have done eventually?
0: Well, I produced a lot of theater in Chicago. I was—I already had kind of a production company back in the day, and then moving to Los Angeles, I, I, Catherine and I were literally going on auditions together. So, and <laughs> moved out here to do that, and the production company was always brewing. So it's something we talked about with our very first project. We didn't even know if this was gonna be a production company. It was just kind of like let's let's make a movie, and then we'll figure out what we're gonna call it, what we're gonna put it under. And, um, yeah. so, um, I guess to answer your question, it's always been there and I think it would always be there, but what makes it special is that she is my daughter and then Catherine is my best friend and I get to do it with two people I love so much and care so much working with. Yeah. Um, and I, and I do wonder. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, if that wasn't there, I think it would be a, a very different experience.
1: Yeah, sure. And <laughs> it's amazing to hear that how both, both of you are achieving Actually, all three of you are achieving such great milestones with the production company. And it's such a great inspiration for all the aspiring filmmakers out there. I'm just interested to know how did uh, you and Catherine met each other? Because seeing the kind of mutual (laughs) trust which you have and the way you can rely on each other, what were the qualities that you find really good about each other that can make you go? I can totally rely on this person because seeing the kind of bond which you do have I'm sure it must have inspired Isabel as well to forge such kind of friendships
3: well I'm just curious to hear what what beautiful qualities you admire in each other <laughs> 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 no that's...
2: seriously you know you know it's interesting because we started off as actors together and so we became friends, um, right off the bat first. And there's a different level of trust. Like I talked about earlier that comes with acting and being in a scene with a partner. And so, and then the friendship built and, you know, you know, just, it's so interesting because the, the level of trust, um, and, and, the being able to rely on somebody, you know, I, I just have an amendous, a tremendous amount of trust for, um, for Betta. you know, we, we, we not only share the same visions and the same goals, um, but, you know, even when we disagree on something, we both know that we have our best interest um, at heart for the project. So, you know, when we decided to then go into directing together, I mean, we had, <laughs> we had when we first announced that, we had people that were really skeptical. You know, you could kind of see it on their faces like, Ah, oh, that's not really gonna work. We even had some people say, How is that gonna work? But you know, <laughs> because we have wrote um so, so much together, you know, we're already flushing out the the story, we're flushing out the characters. So it was just like a natural progress to then go into directing um together um because we became more productive. We there's more eyes for the camera, there's more eyes for the actors, and it's just it's just really beautiful. I mean, her work ethic is immense um her just the beauty inside her is i don't know i can't say enough about my bff and you know uh, watching bella grow up and and then having that same trust kind of flow into her it's just it you know we we are a little family and um right and you know it's, it's easy to rely on those
0: gals <laughs> yeah Yeah, i can't beat that no matter what i say (laughs) i'm gonna sound like a better you you can share
1: some of good qualities
0: i will say this as a friend you know it's um it's it's just been an incredible experience obviously we've been you know friends for over 20 years now which is crazy but as a business partner Catherine's work ethic is just unparalleled she's just one of the hardest people i know and that's very difficult to find and uh I mean, I don't want to say I'm a very difficult person to work with. I think that, you know, sometimes I tend to set some unrealistic goals and she's always
1: no problem. You do. Yeah, you do sometimes. <laughs> I mean, always. all the creative artists are guilty of that, I believe. Yeah. And ma'am, this ability to just have people around you to trust, because sometimes I even read this in one of your newsletters, sometimes it's hard to find people whom you can really trust in these creative professions, because you tend to believe that only you can do the perfect job, only you can know how to do it. How can one come over this hurdle of perfectionism and just avoid it?
0: I don't know. Uh, I mean, just honestly keep going. I think we just keep going. Um, There's no way to do it perfect. Mm -hmm. So I think we make mistakes and then we just do better next time. And I think the the more that we do it, the more we realize how little we have under control. And then once we decide that we're just giving it up and we're going to just surrender ourselves to the experience, then it becomes something really special.
3: Well, I think also what I... I think is a really great, great quality. And you specifically is that you're not a perfectionist. Like, I don't, you know, I don't think she's a perfectionist in any way. I think Catherine and I have a slightly more perfectionist quality than. <laughs> We're
2: a
1: I <laughs> love the honesty.
2: And
3: I think that, and that's not an insult towards Catherine. I think it's, it can be a good thing. It can be a bad thing, but I do think that it balances the team out because yeah. I think that Balance. it matters to you to be diligent and to do work well, but it's not like you'll beat yourself up if there's a mistake. Like, you know what I mean? I think that's, you don't have a desire to be perfect. And I think that's admirable because you can't be perfect, you know?
1: (laughs) That makes perfect sense. Is there something you want to add?
2: No, I was just going to say, I think she nailed it on the head by saying that there is a really good balance. You know, you have the trust and then you have the balance of the personalities and it really does kind of work in our favor that way, you know? So when one of us needs something, the other one, you know, steps up and vice versa. So
1: I like that point and just... Proceeding on, uh, when it comes to writing deep, insightful stories, what what is your approach? When do you think you've found your best work? Is this something when you do it alone or is this something when you jam in together? Because I'm really a fan of writers who are able to create these deep-layered stories, especially when it is not inspired from some personality or a book. It's great to see that how can one uh, write such stories which are so deep layers that the viewer gets surprised with each and every moment. And someone who has a one-dimensional mind like me need to watch the content over and over again to just understand the story. I can start.
0: Um, yeah. I think that our experiences is what makes all of us unique. And uh, I think that not being afraid to share those experiences and to open ourselves up to the audience, uh, much like actors, is to not be afraid to show our vulnerabilities. So I think being honest with yourself, um, when one wants to tackle something and we all have unique experiences and, um, it's something that, you know, any, I'll write a sentence down and say, this sounds interesting. I remember this happening to me, but then looking at that and saying, how much deeper can I go into this? So usually first drafts are, you're super proud of it, but it's not very good like 20th draft is great in my, <laughs> opinion. at least the way we work. So um, yeah, um so my first draft always goes to Catherine and, and then it just, and then what, what her husband will always say, so it begins. It's just, it's just never ending draft after draft and flushing yeah. things out. And it's just, that's been a process for 20 years now. And I, I, I don't even know how many scripts later, but, and, and both of us have had conversations about how comfortable are we with, you know exposing these little things inside that right. that are very personal to us.
2: Yeah, we put we push each other to our kind of that comfortable zone. We push our each other past that because it really does make for a deeper more interesting story. And you know, all of our characters we try and base them you know, our scripts are all very character driven and I think that's kind of part what you know when when we you know, get reviews on our stories, or our films. You know, people will say, "Oh my gosh, I I love." You know, I felt something. I this and that. It's because we really put everything into our characters more than just you know what's going on around them.
1: And sure, never, and you know, I wait. find I find this point really interesting. Sorry to interrupt you, although oh, your no, voice is like music to my ears. That how can one come up with such characters who have so deep layers? I even heard. Isabel shared in some interview that she is much more eager to play characters who have deep layers. And I just want to know, how can one create those characters, especially when they are not based on some real personality? Because I find, for example, we take the character of Joker played by Heath Ledger. I mean, I find that really wonderful thing to watch.
0: Um, Well, I think that, first of all, all all characters, that old saying, three-dimensional, so yeah. no one is just all bad or just all good. So um, I feel that you know, if, if it's a fabricated character, it's never existed that we don't know who that character is. Honestly, that's' it's, it's very rare that we do that. Every character yeah. that we take and we work on, we go, there's the model, and we know that person in our life, and how do we yeah. now paint it all these different colors? But to answer your question in the most simplified way would be to say that no one is all bad or all good.
1: How you use your curiosity to go inside the character and take out those deep layers, even when it's inspired from a real personality
2: uh, you know we work a lot <laughs> much like acting. We work a lot from ourselves um, and from emotions. so you know when you're when you're writing these characters, even though they're not you you kind of put yourself in there just like you do with acting and that's i think where our acting background really comes into to play and helps us out when we're writing these characters because we can then put our emotions in into these characters and feel it out like Betty and i will sit there and we will hash this out like really you know what what is she feeling here you know what what it, what is really driving her here you know because you know when we like beta said we, we want these characters to be flawed, just like real people. We never do like the the black and white characters, you know, where you have the just the all good and the, all the bad. And so, you know, when you have these characters that are very flawed, just like a normal human being, you can really relate to them, even in, if they're in these fantastical situations, you know, and you know, Nobody has all the answers. So why should they let's work this out with them? Let's work this problem out with them and really feel it through. So, you know, when, when you do a character like that, or you, you work like that and your audience gets to experience it too, because we're working the, we're flushing out the problems. We're flushing out the situations, you know, in our story as well. So, you know, they're working it through, they're becoming emotionally attached and when they when you don't have the characters that are all one way or another and they can relate to both the the protagonist and the antagonist it kind of creates this moral battleground inside them so they're trying to figure out why do i like that why can i relate to both sides but it makes for such a more interesting story and it allows for kind of a deeper more challenging thoughtful experience you know all around so
1: i completely understand that and it's fascinating to hear your point on it and coming with purposeful characters. Like I shared in the introduction, I'm a fan of the character choice which Isabella takes. And in your movies, take it from Wonder, as well as some of your work on almost normal productions. I've seen that when you were quite younger, you created this movie about bullying. And it's great to see that how you are able to mold your real life challenges into your artwork. And one of the scenes in Wonder's I really found it fascinating how you were able to convey emotion without even using words. There were certain scenes. When we see an actor show something that we can relate with, there's a certain buzz inside us that we feel. And there were moments, I will not lie about this, there were moments when I saw, when you would just look at a particular object and without saying anything, and it would certainly be like, yes, we can empathize with the character. And when it comes to expressing emotions without words. One of the character, the actor that comes to my mind is Marlon Brando, especially in the movie Godfather. The way he's able to convey emotion without even using words. I was talking in our episode eight with Larry Grobel, who is also known as the United States most intelligent interviewer. He spent months interviewing Marlon Brando at his beach house and he wrote a book about it. So I was talking with him, he said that While he's acting out, he has these clipboards all over with written dialogues because he believes that words are not important. What's behind them is the real thing. And from an actress like you, I'm interested to know that how can one show emotion without using words? How one prepare those kinds of scenes?
3: Well, thank you. Uh, That's a big compliment. Firstly. So thank you very much. And the fact that you mentioned Marlon Brando, that's, I will take that. Um, I think you just said it. I think that it's not about the words, it's about what's behind them. And I think that anytime I approach a scene that has dialogue, you know, she's always taught me to look at the lines and understand the subtext and you'll hear, you've probably, you know, you'll hear anybody who's ever acted has probably heard that, you know, I'm sure, you know, Catherine, you know, you've heard what's the subtext, what's underneath the line. Like you can even write down next to your line, like, what are you really saying with this? And I think that when you understand, um, when you understand your character that well, when you understand what's actually behind everything they're saying, then when you have scenes that don't, require dialogue that don't require much that just require reaction like you know your character's mind so well that you know what would be going through their head in that moment but i think that that can't really be done without doing all of that um foundational work at the beginning because if you know if you don't if you don't know your character then Then you don't know what's going to be going through their head when they're looking at an object or looking at a situation. Like, how would they react to that, you know?
1: Right. And is there something that uh, both of you want to add? You know, I will
2: add one thing um, is watching Isabella work, you can see her also really listening. Like, she really will listen and put her focus on the other actor more than herself, which is a, a very unselfish thing to do as an actor. And it only enhances like her work. So when she's like putting all her focus on the other actor and really listening to the other actor, you can see all the stuff going through her, like what you're saying. It's just beautiful. Right.
1: And this brings me to this question that how, how can an actor listen in such an unbiased way? Because even when I see some of my idols like Dawn Rickles, Robin Williams, the way they are able to even observe a single physicalization of the interviewer or whomever they are talking to or acting with and go on a one-minute monologue just insulting it. I mean, I find that really fascinating. And how can one listen as a performer?
3: How can one listen as a performer? I mean, I I think it's just, at least like with what Catherine said, I think that um, it just depends on how you approach the craft. I think that there are actors that approach it from a place of me and a place of you know, um, focusing on themselves. And then there, I think there are actors that approach, approach the scene and approach the material from uh, the other person and trying to go off of them and really trying to like feed off of what they're getting. And so I think that when you talk about actors like Robin Williams, they're so accustomed to listening and to feeding off of other people when they perform that it translates in real life um, I've worked and spoken with actors in real life that were so wonderful to work with in scenes because they were so giving and so all about the other person that when you talk to them in real life, they're just as intense because it's almost as if they just spend their whole life studying other people. and so you have their full attention, whether they're
0: in a scene or they're not. Yeah, yeah. just add to that um, really quick. Acting is art of listening. 100 percent believe in that. All the answers are in the other person. Everything sure. is in the scene, so one, you know, if there's obviously a dialogue scene, just to kind of add to what she's to what she's saying.
1: Yeah, and like both of you shared about uh, th- that, how great actors are so good at making you feel as if they are completely understanding you and putting the light on the other person. How can one be like that, but at the same time be so flexible in terms of their own character to just uh, not not only just forget your lines or something, but actually have the freedom to be completely vulnerable in terms of expressing your emotion, but at the same time, putting the light on the other person.
0: Um, I mean, I think that that's where great improvisation comes in, is walking into a situation um, or the scene with the other actor and just trusting that your body will know what to do if you really open yourself up to it. You know, I, I don't... Planning to do certain things blocks us. I run into actors that are very much rehearsed and they like to come in and they like to do what they've learned. And then actors that are extremely free free and flexible. Um, The director that Bella worked with, one of the directors was, would do multiple takes. He would just go on and on and on and on and on until he gets to the point that actor just forgets that they're on set. They forget that they're in the scene. They forget that they're talking to an actor, but it's more like actually talking to a person um, in this natural situation. They're not on set, There's, it's, just, it's just people talking. So um, um, it was an interesting process, but he said that he would get to a perfect take probably 15, 20 takes later. Um, I hate to say exhausting an actor into actually just forgetting where they are, but it's kind of like that, I guess. It was that was a,
1: yeah. That's a really great insight that you shared, and I think Al Pacino is also known for having so many retakes that he just completely loses this idea that he's playing a character. And I think that's how the best work uh, comes into play. Yep. And before you know, before I stop pestering you all with these acting questions, I just have this last uh, one to add. I was watching the Super Series Supergirl and. What I found really fascinating, even though I'll be honest, I'm not that big of a fan of watching superhero series, but in this, the way you played the young version of Supergirl, but at the same time had your own uniqueness. It was great to see that how on one hand you were playing the nerdy side, then the superhero side, and then again, having that inner child inside of you, seeing your image in the news channel and completely get buzzed up about it. I'm curious to know that, how are you able to find the balance between that? Yes, I'm playing a younger version of a character, and I need to make sure that it's a sequence which viewers can follow upon. But at the same time, add your own unique touch to it.
3: Um, well, I, uh, <laughs> I think that I. Well, we're all like every everybody is multifaceted. You know, we all have lots of layers, and so I think that when whenever I approach a character, especially like a superhero, which seems extremely intimidating when you first go into it because you're like, I'm playing who? Oh,
1: I'm um, personally happy to have a superhero on our show.
3: <laughs> Thank you. I it's still weird to me hearing that. I'm like, I'm oh, a supergirl. But um I think the I, I think that the key is to just like look at your character and go, okay, so we're similar here. We're not similar here. What parts of me can I bring into this? And then what parts of this am I going to need to um work a little harder at? And I think that with Kara, it felt really natural to me because I, I am a nerd. Uh, you can ask Catherine and my sure. mom. Yeah,
1: actually, read that you have interest in science.
3: Oh yeah, well I have yeah. So I'm a big nerd, <laughs> and it's just something that I like hide with but we're bringing it out. So I think that with Kara, that came out really naturally. My friend sidebar. My friend watched. Um, the new show that I was on just beyond. And it was like a, I'm not going to get into that, but there's a a, po- a point in the, the show where I have to be really nerdy and very like, very much like, um, you know, just, just a book nerd. And my friend, and then there's a point in which I kind of have a glow up and I'm suddenly the popular girl. And my friend texted me and was like, you are absolutely the nerd inside out. So, <laughs> so, cool. um, so yeah. saying all that to say, I think we all have, you know, so many sides to ourselves. And so when I played Kara, I brought the nerd in, but then I also have big dreams and big aspirations, just like she does. And I, you know, I'm a performer at heart and being a superhero is all about being essentially a performer. Like, you know, Mm. you, you have this face that you put on for the world. And so I think that it was, it came really naturally that role in specific.
1: That was a, great perspective that you shared and talking about the nerdy side. I mean, I remember my years as a nerd, but I think they made me a good (laughs) researcher so I could dig deep and find out the right questions. Still, you know, as all of you have performing experiences of going into auditions, I was talking to this founder of Acting for a Cause, Brando Crawford, and he was, uh, he started out as an actor and was quite uh, doing great at it. But then he suddenly switched his path into directing and producing due to various reasons. One of the key reasons he shared with me was because he finds this whole process of auditioning quite dehumanizing in unnecessary ways. And I would like to know from all of your perspective that uh, do you also feel the same way about it or do you see it getting much better?
0: Um, I think that past two years have changed a lot because of COVID and actors now um, are sending tapes in. I think it's like over 90%, am I correct? Almost I think 100%. it's only tapes now. I think it's only tapes. So I think it gives actors an, uh, um, an opportunity to do it again over and over and get it right. Yes, it is n- nerve breaking. When we used to audition, it wasn't my favorite thing to do, to go into an auditioning room, because so much has to come together in the three minutes that you're in the room. all the forces have to be yes in your corner so it's like you either have a good audition or you don't and and it's never I don't believe that auditioning um is uh, a display of someone's true talent because we've had a luxury of of being on the other side and watching actors come in and audition for multiple projects that we that we were casting and um, we've cast actors that didn't audition well because we wanted to get a chance to come in and do it again and just say, you know, just relax. This is a great environment. We want you to do well, or just have a conversation with them be- before they would, they would do the scene. Um, yeah. So I guess it's, it's a long answer to your question. And it's a, it's a very complicated answer because I can see how some people would see it that way. But I, I, when we were working together, I would always encourage that or say use it as an opportunity to meet somebody new and to um, you know, claim those five minutes as your five minutes to showcase yourself and do better. And, you know, just walking in the room, I I used to always say, just try and block out whatever's coming your way. If somebody's in a bad mood, it's not your problem. If somebody's in a good mood, great. But claim your five minutes or three or however long you have in the five minutes, probably not, but you know, a few minutes. Sure. So, yeah.
2: Just to add on to that. I mean, it, 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 she's right. It, you know, it's, it's all about how you, you look at auditioning. Um, if you go in and you're like, I'm going to have fun. And like she said, claim this five minutes, or are you going to go in seeking some validation? Um, not, not, not look at it as like an opportunity, but look at it as like, Um, how am I going to please these people? Then of course that's going to be just awful. If you do that in real life, you approach a situation trying to seek validation or trying to please somebody else, you know, or you go into it open and having fun and enjoying the process. And I I think exactly what that said, you know, it's really how you look at it. It's Mm, like anything else in life, you know, you go into a job interview. It's the same kind of thing. Yeah. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes it sucks, you know, to be frank, but you know, it, it's how you look at it. Is it an opportunity, like Betta said? You know, yes. And you know, that's and a great point.
1: About it. Yeah, how to look at it. And I particularly saved this thing for the end because I found it. Quite fascinating that while we were recovering from COVID pandemic, you all found this creative way of getting these people to subscribe to your newsletters by donating a pair of socks uh, and a couple months later donating cookies, which were baked by Isabel, to ch- charities. And I found this so unique, and I'll say this without without a joke, that we hear these marketing gurus talk about how to get more people to sign up to your newsletters and all that. But I've never come across something so unique and purposeful that you are doing with it. And I'm excited to know that. When did you think you could do something like that?
3: Um, um, well, I think I'm just going to jump in by saying that I really I was baking a lot over the pandemic and I obviously, and I, I, <laughs> I brought it up to my, well, no, cause Catherine was like, you sh- we should do something with like Bella Bakes. Like we should, we should do something creative, you know, like everybody, everybody needs a smile these days. And then, um, we started talking and as you said, like marketing gurus are always out there saying, well, what are creative ways to get people to sign up for your newsletter? And I'm like, well, maybe if they know that, um, I bake, And maybe if they know that um, I bake for other people and that we donate things for other people and that we're not just um, asking people to jump on here and, you know, listen to us and what we have to say because we're so great, but because we actually do something good with our voice, maybe that will encourage people to, you know, come on in and not only help, but, you know, maybe get to know us three ladies a little better. And, um, you know, I mean, you guys can add on, but I think that as you said
2: you know, I, I, sure I totally agree. I mean, giving back and, and, and is just something that's a big part of who we are separately. And now as a collective, you know, it's one of the things I love most about Beta and Bella is, is, you know, is that, you know, they're always wanting to improve the world, you know, improve themselves, improve the world. So it makes sense that, you know, something like this would filter into everything that we do, our films, our marketing, our personal friendships, you know. Um, you know, we really believe that serving others strengthens, I mean, this might sound corny, but strengthens our connection to the world, which makes us better people and better artists. And and why not turn something that might not be so enjoyable, like marketing, it's just part of what we have to do, but why not turn it into something that is enjoyable and something that does reflect who we are and something
1: so personal to us? It doesn't so, yeah, sound corny at all. Yeah, <laughs> I
2: think what you just said is
3: so true. I just want to tack on to that: is she she said uh, that it reflects who we are, and I think that um, when we when we try, you know, as you said, when when whenever we are asking people to come on and to look at our newsletter, to look at our social media, to look at our film, you know, we never want them to to feel as though um, they are doing us a favor and that they need to like, you know, what, what we want to make them feel like is that they're, you know, we're, we're serving them because that's ultimately what we're here to do. Like we're here to serve others. And I think that by showing them that we are philanthropists, whether, you know, even though we don't show it all the time, um, you know, and that we are here to give you something that we truly feel is going to benefit you because at the end of the day, you know, we're not making these films and putting out these newsletters for ourselves. Like we're doing it because we want to help others and share with the world and hope that other people will be inspired
0: too. Basically everything we do, we always start with one one question. how How is this going to add value in people's mm-hmm. people's lives? And, yeah. and then it just makes it a lot easier. And if it doesn't, then we just get rid of it. We don't do it. I appreciate
1: point. I appreciate that point, and yeah, I don't know if I should be guilty of saying this or proud, but I actually signed up from like signed up to your newsletter from like two three email addresses just because you were doing such a great job. Oh,
2: thank you. Thank well, you. you just got a thank few extra goodies so for you. That's all that yeah. means. and my mother is
1: <laughs> my mom is giving me all this crap about it. What are these emails coming inside my inbox? And I'm like they're doing such a great job. I couldn't help myself. Uh,
3: just, oh, <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> just say the name was on a cookie and somebody probably ate it at the Covenant House. That's right. You yeah. know?
1: Sure, I'm just trying to bring some great karma into my family. And there you go. <laughs> I just want you, Elizabeth, to be completely honest about it. And I see that uh, you, mother and daughter, have such uh, great chemistry. And I hate asking this, but have you ever seen that? Isabella is baking, and the smoke comes out of the microwave or something.
3: Yeah, I almost burned yeah, the house she, down.
1: She did.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. that's, that's only because she wanted to bake since she was like five or six. And uh, I'm, I, I think if she, for if it was hands down, if she wasn't acting, I think she would have like a a little bake shop. Catherine's going to laugh when I say Maine, probably somewhere in Maine, little bake shop,
1: little coffee shop.
3: Far from the city. Far from
1: the city. That's <laughs> no, That's the best life to live. And It has is. To, yeah. Hey, if there's anything you want to add, Catherine.
2: Oh, I was just going to say, part, seriously, once you meet Betta though, because Bella comes by it very naturally, because once you meet Bada, the minute you become friends, she invites you over and you, you better go hungry because she gives you this spread that's delicious. She's an incredible cook. And you literally roll out of her house. You don't (laughs) roll because (laughs) that's how she kind of shows that she loves you and she cares is by pouring herself into cooking. And I see that with Bella as well. They both just pour themselves into it. And that's kind of like a little gift that they give you when you come over or or, or when you're a part of their world, you know? And and so it's
0: it's cultural. It's cultural.
3: Yeah. Food is my love language.
0: It's, it's what my, um, (laughs) what we do back home in Bosnia. It's how we show respect and love and, it's just we feed people.
1: (laughs) Right. And it's great to see that how much you are connected with your Croatian culture. I read this beautiful newsletter where you talk with your seven-year-old self and even your post about that you enjoy making pita, which is your favorite recipe that you learned. And as a child, you used to enjoy playing in your grandmother's garden and pick up those, pluck out those wild strawberries. And i'm curious to know as a uh, as a child were you actively involved in performing plays and all that in school and a quick follow up to it that did you also have the same upbringing and support that you are able to offer to your daughters
0: hmm i wish i did but um it made sense that it, i i didn't i guess because my you know i grew up in a small town and there was nothing like that and at the time especially central bosnia didn't have this really um, like booming film industry and and uh, there were no places to really take acting classes or singing lessons so the picture that you're showing is a rare picture of me on stage so anytime there was an opportunity to perform I was always the one saying can I do it Um, (laughs) and uh, so you know my folks were loving obviously but they weren't like when I said I want to perform they just said "Uh, you know do that later on in life
1: no I can perfectly actually relate to it and yes. I personally feel feel that way because around me as well. But in this technological era, I have the sources to gain knowledge, books to read and stuff like that. And even mm-hmm. the show which I've created that has uh, given me the voice to share it. Still, I understand your point. And what I found even more fascinating is how you came up with it and took that bold risk of uh, coming over to, I believe, California and then settling into Los Angeles. And now you... All are achieving such great and amazing milestones. How does it feel to see that all those years of struggle, perseverance, and all these qualities paid off?
0: I mean, it feels it feels fantastic. <laughs> but honestly, and as corny as it's going to sound, it feels more fantastic being surrounded by great people um, in my life and working with my daughter and working with my husband too. He's he's also involved and. Of great help. And then Catherine, who's been a bestie, and she's a godmother to my younger one, so it's all very family-oriented. Wow. Um So it, as long as it continues down this path where all of us are going to be involved and making movies even in our 70s, like the same way in, in <laughs> Eastwood does it, because he uses the same people and works with the same people all the time. Um, Why not? That's, that's kind of the goal, honestly, because it makes it just so wonderful to be on set like, even like one of your earlier questions, what's so different now is just watching all these familiar faces show up on your set and go, We all wanna make this film and we wanna, we all have the same goal in mind, which is to make the best film possible.
1: And I see that all three of you are completing each other's sentences. And yeah. as we are ru- running out of time, I just preview this a small game of you know who as all of you have been working on various projects together. I have, I'll read these sentences which represent a personality trait while filmmaking. And you need to tell me that who among you, three of you is most guilty of that or is appropriate (laughs) for that description. Okay, so should we start?
3: Let's do it. Okay, let's do do it. it.
1: Great. So the first one is, which one of you holds the record for the most number of retakes just to get that perfect acting shot?
3: you know what it's one of you two i think really? it's me i think it's me <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah and
1: goodness. if you have some sort of uh, experience to share with it i'd love to hear it
2: oh my um, gosh I, I i don't know I, i'm notorious for just being like hard on myself. It's something I'm working on, but yeah.
1: <laughs> it's nothing to do with your talent. Yeah.
0: No,
2: it never has anything to do with your talent.
0: No. Yeah. No. Sure.
1: okay, then let's fine. get to the second one. Who among you is the most disciplined in terms of reminding the cast? Hey guys, we are on a deadline. Better. <laughs> okay. Great to hear Please. that. Okay, then the third one, while shooting films with the crew, who always has her eyes on snacks and can't wait for the lunch break to start?
0: Catherine! 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 <laughs> Catherine! you were always at the crafting
1: table. <laughs> oh, the Fingers are being pointed at each other.
0: No, she, had, she had this little cup. It was so cute. She had this styrofoam cup. It was always filled with something. <laughs>
2: yeah it's true it is true i always had to have something i always have to have something <laughs> i
0: love my food i'm very passionate right she was really loud too when she
1: i'm kidding yeah yeah and actually i'm personally on a diet for like one month properly eating healthy food and all these foodies conversation are really getting to me so
0: I'll go to the next one
1: yeah. so who likes to pull off pranks during the filmmaking process Ooh, better for sure
0: yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. She, she she the
1: being the most disciplined and being the one who pulls off yeah. pranks
0: I will I will dress in like the scariest costume and I will stand if it takes hours in the corner to scare somebody just absolutely He love scary, <laughs> <loves> <laughs> scary it's people it's very weird but it's
1: true I, I could tell that yeah. by the choice of your movies yeah <laughs> Sure. Uh, This is the last one, and this one's my favorite one as well. I know that all three of you are exceptional when it comes to portraying characters in front of a camera, but who is the least comfortable when it comes to just talking about yourself in front of a camera?
2: I feel like we all want to say ourselves.
1: Right. I'm guilty of that, too.
2: I'm, I'm pretty bad. I might. I don't know. It's
3: actually my least
0: favorite thing to do yeah so.
2: i don't know i feel like we all want to just say ourselves i don't know yeah. yeah yeah i agree i think we're all going to point the fingers at ourselves on this one
1: yeah i personally can't relate with it because uh in the beginning i used to send these invites by just talking about the guests and sending them to their instagram dms and out of the five guests i sent four of them ended up blocking me and you were the one that responded oh. so I mean, it's not every day that you want to see a big, hairy face in your Instagram DMs. Thank you very much for being our guest. And to be honest, I enjoyed being a part of this conversation. And I know it will benefit many aspiring filmmakers, actors, and whatsoever. So thank you for sharing this time with us. I had an amazing time. Hope you enjoyed being a part of this as well. I had a great time. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you so, so much. much. Thank sure. You. Keep doing great work and I wish nothing but even more future success for all of you and for the viewers out there. If you want to check out this conversation, it's available on all streaming platforms and you can even watch one or two minute snippets on our Instagram whose link would be in the description and feel free to check out their websites and all the links that I would be in the description of this episode. So once again, thank you for joining. Have a great day. Thank, thank you so much.
3: Thank Bye.
1: you. Bye. Bye. With this, we end the episode 11 of Preview Us with the Almost Normal Productions. If you enjoyed listening to our conversation, feel free to follow us on various streaming platforms and consider leaving a review on Apple Podcast. Wish you nothing but even future success in what you do and have an amazing day.